Coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. We have a very significant fly tying culture in this area. It's almost like it's been part of, you know, it's an outdoor thing, you know, like you say. We've had several families locally be famous fly tying. Uh, uh, Stan Yamamura and his family supplied flies. You know, this is before the days of of, uh, House of Harrop even. Bruce Staples on the culture of fly tying. We're traveling to the East Idaho Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo today on Travel. Today's episode is sponsored by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory, Idaho's most renowned zone for fly fishing, from the Henry's Fork to the South Fork of the Snake and all the high alpine lakes and streams in between. Yellowstone Teton Territory provides anglers and other outdoor enthusiasts with all the information they need to plan their next big trip. You can visit wetflyswing.com slash Teton right now to get the full list of outfitters, lodges, fly shops, and all kinds of inspiration to get you started on your next trip to Eastern Idaho. That's Teton, T-E-T-O-N, wetflyswing.com slash Teton. Welcome to Travel, where it's all about the journey we are all on in fly fishing and in life. This is our chance to take a deep dive into a specific area around the country so you have a better feel for the people, the resources, and the community that make this part of the country so unique. The Flight Tiny Expo is just around the corner. You can head over to the snakeriverCutthroats.org website or you can head directly to wetflyswing.com expo to get more information on the Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo right now. So at the end, we're going to give you a little reminder of how to uh, connect here. But if you want to check it out right now, wetflyswing.com slash EXPO. And this week, Bruce Staples takes us on the journey inside the Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo. We find out and hear about some of the history of the people who made this event uh, so unique over the years. We find out who's going to be there this year what you can expect if you're planning on heading there. And if you don't know about it yet, we're going to take a deep dive so you understand what it's all about. And uh, we hear it from the man himself. Bruce was one of the lead guys. He's been there since the beginning. It's going to be good to dig back into this with Bruce today on the show. Time to experience the road less traveled. Jimmy's all-season anglers, Doug Gibson, Mike Lawson, and the great Teton Canyon Dam story. This is a very interesting one, the Teton Dam. Here we go. Bruce Staples, right now. Let's do it. How you doing, Bruce? Well, pretty good for uh, cold weather. Yeah? You guys you guys getting hit pretty good up there? Yeah, we've had some uh, terrifically cold weather. It kind of reminds us of back in the 1980s and all, but uh, a lot of snow. Of course, we'll be fishing in it come uh, springtime. Uh-huh. So you're getting quite a bit of snow. What's cold up there for you right now? Well, the coldest we've had was about a week or two ago. It was 30 below in town. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, wow is right. <laughs> you don't want to go outside and, you know, put a kibosh on fishing. And so what you do is you you build a nice fire and sit there and tie flies or you do some writing, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and remind us again, what, what uh, town are you in? We're in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Yeah, you're in Idaho Falls. Awesome. So you are in, I didn't realize it got that cold or it was that cold, but this is awesome. We did an episode recently with um, uh, with John from the Trout Hunter, and uh, and he was talking about. I'm trying to think now. He, he was digging into that whole the Henry's Fork, right, and that whole area, and describing how unique um, the town is 
right? How it's it's very narrowly uh, defined, right? Yeah, Island Park. It must have been. Uh... Yeah, that's Island Park, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. So you're in Idaho Falls. Which, and... which is kind of, this is south of uh, Island Park by about 75, 80 miles. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I got to get my geography right on here. So, uh, so good. So you're, yeah, and you're down south. Well, <laughs> relatively. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, we and we had you on, like I said, back in uh, episode 269. It was over over a year ago. We talked about the Yellowstone. You broke that down. We'll have a link in the show notes to that. But today we're going to dig into the Eastern Idaho Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo that you're kind of in charge of helping get rolling here again. So so give us an update, I guess. Let's start there. So end of 2021, kind of this last year or so, what's been, what's been new? Give us an update. Well, the, the big thing that's new is we've moved from a local hotel in town the new Mountain America Events Center south of town. Um, this brand new facility in all all uh, ways, electronic, you know, uh, construction, everything. We've moved down there um, to do the show. And mainly what's what's happening is, is yeah, it's costing us a little bit more, but uh, there's staff down there who do a lot of the things that have been rather stressful for us, moving things around and everything. They have a, they have a uh, well-trained staff down there and they have, you know, the facilities and equipment and everything to put on the show. And so we just decided, heck, let's move down there. It's just a better, newer facility. And there's a few hotels around. The one disadvantage, of course, is is not a connected hotel. So guests can't walk from their uh, hotel room, you know, over to the yeah. show or to a restaurant, something they're, you know, a half a mile away are the closest ones, but, um, that shouldn't matter all that much, but we're seeing terrific, terrific interest in the area in this show. Mm-hmm. And remind us again, what, where was the, so the previous show, so it's been a couple of years, right? Since COVID kind of knocked you guys off. This is the first time you're back. Yeah. The last exo was 2019. And, uh, just because of, uh, you know, a local, um, I'll say politics and things, you know, uh, hey, no get-togethers greater than 100 people, things like that. We'd say, we'd better cancel. And that went on for three years. Well, as you well know, you know, COVID wasn't a one-year thing that we still have, I'll call it a dirty burning tail end, but it's still around, but not with the intensity that used to be. And so we just decided, hey, let's go ahead and put it on. And we got support from the community to do it. So here we are. Yeah, so we're going, and this is not a new event. I mean, this is something, this is the 27th year now? Yeah, the first one we did was in uh, 1994 in a local hotel. It was a one-day show with an evening banquet and um, maybe a couple dozen fly tires and a few local uh, commercial vendors and a workshop or two. And uh, just over the years, the interest in the show increased so much into what it is today and you can see details, like I say, on our website, www.srcexpo.com, which we are still developing, by the way. You know, mm-hmm. you're not done until you're no. right, right to the vent. So it's yeah. a developing uh, website and everything. But we have enough particulars on on the on the website that you can see that, hey, this is uh, quite the show with respect to uh, what it offers the public. Yeah, let's dig into that because I mean I know these fly tying and shows. I mean, there's a number of them around the year uh, around the country from 
you know, like Ferimsky's big fly fishing show, you've got the Texas show and some of these things, and you got a lot of these different like fly tying expos as well. And uh, so let's talk about that. So somebody who's listening who isn't familiar with this, what could they expect out of out of this uh, event? Well, yeah, for the public, and of course we have free public uh, admission. We don't charge admission. Oh, cool. Yep. And, you know, it's important because here we are, we have uh, right out there, the event center calls itself the Hero Arena, which is the main floor, which, by the way, uh, when uh, they wrap up what we're doing, they'll refix everything on there. And we have a minor league hockey team that plays oh, wow. in there. Yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that, that's right. Uh, they, you know, they just Who's that? Everybody. What's the team? What's the name of the minor league team? It's called the Spud Kings. Oh, the Spud Kings. There you go. Yeah, what it would be coming from Idaho, you know. <laughs> yeah, Spud King's Spud hockey. Kings. I love that. I love that. But anyways, um, yeah, what we offer the public is, okay, you got the free entrance, you know, I mean, free admission in both days, the Friday and the Saturday, March 24th and 25th. The show opens at 8.30 in the morning, and the fly tying demos are central, you know, to the public on the Hero Arena. And around the edges, we have commercial vendors. As a matter of fact, we have close to 50 vendors right as it stands right now. And this is all, you know, essentially the show that's open to the public, free of charge. Uh, they can go around and talk to the vendors, talk to the tires. We have uh, places where they can they can do daytime raffles. And, uh, you know, we have merchandise for sale and everything. And rather mm-hmm. than charge them for coming in, you know, hey, spend your money when, when you get inside. Right. That's great. So basically this, it's free and you can jump in and there's going to be, is this a situation where there will be just a bunch of great fly tires and people can go around and just watch these? There'll be as many as uh, 45 fly tires, you know, in operation, time flies out there on the floor at a time. What's going on is on Friday, there will be three, three hour tying demo sessions starting at eight 30 in the morning and at six 30 at night. Mm-hmm. And on Saturday, there will be two sessions starting at 8.30 and ending at 5 at five in the evening. And, you know, there's there's Icon Tires coming in there, local people, people from – actually, we have people from around the country, you know, places like Florida and Minnesota, mm-hmm. you know, and in the West Coast and everything. But, you know, you got to figure the reason for the interest in local fly tying and fly fishing opportunities – Idaho Falls is the southwest hub of the greater Yellowstone area. Southwest hub. That means, uh, you know, waters like uh, the Henry's Fork. You know, you talked to, you said, I think it was John Steele was who, you, you know, at mm-hmm. Trout Henry's. Yeah. And you've got the South Fork reach of the Snake River. You've got the Teton River. Silver Creek's 120 miles away. Henry's Lake, Madison River, you know. You've got, and then you've got uh, waters in Yellowstone Park. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the southwest corner of the park is probably, if you're interested in not just playing fishing and fly fishing, but if you're interested in solitude and scenery and everything, the southwest corner of Yellowstone Park is phenomenal for all of that. And so Idaho Falls is a hub, you know, the the uh, Idaho Falls Municipal Airport, you walk into the airport, say, uh, and watch people coming in, you know, people deep planing. Uh, say from May into maybe first of October, see how many people are carrying gear bags and rod cases. Right. Yeah. yeah they're coming here to enjoy, <laughs> you know, the fishing, but then they patronize, you know, uh, the restaurants, the hotels, and 
specialty shops, et cetera, et cetera, goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Idaho Falls is definitely one of the hot spots, right? I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, on the north side, you've got Bozeman, you yeah, know, and then, right. you know, so on, you know, so on like that, you know, when we're the southwest corner, whereas they're on the north side of a very that's Yellowstone right. area. That's right. How is this is just kind of an interesting question? I, I don't know Idaho Falls quite as well, but you look at, you know, Boise is the other big, it seems like, you know, but Boise, Idaho Falls, and Idaho. How are those two uh, cities different? Well, <laughs> Boise, Boise is becoming a metropolitan area. There's about three yeah. quarters of a million people living over there. And of course, yeah. you've got, you know, um, there's fishing over there, but you better be willing to, you know, share the waters with so many other people. Yeah. And they don't have the quality that we have here. I mean, look, here's Yellowstone Park sitting right. 75 miles away, uh, you know, terrific fishing. Then you've got the Silver Creeks and, uh, the places in Montana and in yeah. um, southeast Idaho itself, and Boise, it's a little different over there. You have you have uh, more reservoirs, of course. You have you know you have some rivers and everything, but they're not the same quality as what mm. we have here. You know, you yeah. can match the Henry's Fork up against any water around. You know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, we'll we'll put a link out to that episode with John and the trout hunter. He really went uh, deep into the hatches and gave us the perspective on why the Henry's Fork is such, you know, is such a destination. And it probably is, you know, this as well as anyway, is, is the hatches, right? It's hard to find a spring Creek. You know, spring, it's yeah. the hatches and it's just, it's just the quality of the area. You know, Island Park is, it's a beautiful place, you know, true. It's being loved to death now with the mm. number of people up there and everything, mm -hmm. but the natural beauty of fishing, say a place like Harriman, yeah. you know, uh, the Harriman state park reach, uh, you know, it's, it's almost distracting. You know, it's like you want to stop and enjoy, you know, off in the distance to the southeast, here's here's the uh, Grand Teton Range sticking up, you know. Right. You go north and here's the Centennial Range, Continental Divide, that sort of thing. And, of course, John at, the, at Trout Howard, he's sitting almost within a stone's throw of, you know, some of the most beautiful country in the West. Yeah, they're right there. So, so what is the trout hunter? Describe that that lodge, that area. I mean, it's kind of right there along. Well, that's yeah, that's in what they call last chance. It's just that long skinny town you're talking about mm -hmm. along highway. Because of bars, he, he described it. He he said it's because of the bars. That's why it's a long skinny town. They built the town <laughs> around the bars. <laughs> By the way, trout hunters uh, in uh, there's a there's a great bar and restaurant in yeah. there besides uh the fly shop, uh, yeah, John and, um, oh, what's his name there? His mm, part. Yeah. There. John, right. Right. And his counterpart. But anyways, um, and of course the, one of the things that they really promote and have is, uh, house of hair, uh, yeah. House of flies and artwork right. and, mm. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but, um, this, of course there's other places up there too. And you've got to realize that just around this, the, uh, southwest corner of the park you have other wonderful uh places like three rivers ranch you know mm. it's down near at uh where uh, warm river and robinson creek and uh and the henry sort come together you know it's just say uh, just on the edge of island park uh down there it services like same areas uh as harriman maybe more so in the lower henry's fork than harriman but uh or than uh trout hunter but uh yeah, Idaho Falls is, you know, off in the distance from that, 70 miles away, but we've got a good highway, Highway 20, that goes up there from Idaho yeah. Falls and 
during fishing seasons and during the hatches that John was talking about, you're going to find a significant part of the traffic heading up to Island Park coming from Idaho Falls uh, is uh, meaningful to people up there. You know, yeah. And, of course, Trout Hunter is not the only um, shop up there across the no. street. You've got uh, Henry Fork Anglers, you know, Mike Lawson's Henry Fork right. Anglers. And, you know, essentially the Lawson family, you know, uh, started that shop back in the, I think it was the mid-70s. Yeah, and you mentioned um, the House of Harrop, so that's, uh, John mentioned Renee Harrop, and he actually, in that episode, he got pretty emotional about, you know, just talking about him, I think, the impact of, of Harrop. Do you know a little bit about um, Renee Harrop, and that is he, um, I mean, it sounds like he was a pretty foundational person out there. He's a foundational person with respect to the House of Harrop, you know. Uh, and what is the House of Harrop? House of Harrop is Renee and Bonnie Harrop, their family with... Uh, Shane, their son, and Leslie, their daughter. The four of them are all fly tires, and uh, of course, they've had a. They now have an international reputation, but they started out tying commercially, tying their flies, and of course, uh, Renee grew up down in the valley in a town called Saint Anthony, and got to know the Henry's Fork. He lived not too far from the river itself, you know, almost, oh, not casting distance, but quite close. And um, I guess he'd always been interested in fly fishing. He started a lot of the business, essentially, as I understand it, back in the late 60s. And the quality of his flies is just unsurpassable. And um, they became something that uh, people associated so much with the Harriman State Park reach of the Henry's Fork that um, the two were almost synonymous with each other. You know, if you wanted to fish you fished uh, Harrop flies and all in that area. And, of course, um, you know, his, his reputation has grown over the years. Or I should say their reputations have grown over the years. And, um, that you know, they became they, they become essentially figureheads. And, and the same thing for Mike Lawson. Yeah, Mike Lawson, too. Yeah, there's two. Yeah. And we'll put a link out to Mike Lawson's episode we had where he talked about one of the big hatches out there. And so here's the big question that, that I have on uh, with Harrop. So is Renee going to be at the expo? I don't know. Um, the last expo we had, 2019, he wasn't there, but uh, his wife Bonnie and his daughter Leslie were there, you know, walking okay. around, talking to people. In fact, Leslie's participated before doing workshops and um, – you know, uh, uh, tying in the demo. She's done that in the past. Uh, I don't know uh, if they're going to be down there. We've asked them to come on down, especially mm -hmm. because this is going to be in a new facility. Right. And, you know, it, it just depends on their schedules and everything. Yeah. But I think, you know, just the interest in seeing this new facilities, I hope it brings them down. I want to see Renee. I consider him a friend, you know, friend from a distance. You know, he's mm – -hmm. In St. Anthony, and of course, then during the fishing season, he's up there at, uh, you know, at last chance, and of course, being associated with Trout Hunter, and he has a, he has a summer home up there. He and Bonnie have a summer home, you know, so they spend essentially the summers up there, and they've done that for decades, you know. So yeah, say. that's right. Nice. Well, I'm glad we we dug into that a little bit because I yeah. think shedding some light on some of the people that are going to be at the uh, event. Is, yeah. is a big part of it. Who else, you know, talk about some of the other uh, people that are going to be there. Is there any, any other names that we would know of or local people that are of interest? Yeah. With respect to local people, um, you've heard me say a few words about three rivers ranch mm -hmm. that sits down at, uh, 
the confluence of Warm River and Robinson Creek with the Henry Fork. It's been there for uh, you know decades and decades. It's owned by the Allen family. Lonnie Allen's the owner now. You know, uh, through through the years, it's passed on down to her. But her chief guide, and probably not just guide, but knowledgeable person about the Henry's Fork drainage, is a fellow by the name of Doug Gibson. Mm-hmm. And Doug has guided in the area, and not talking just. Uh, you know, just say the Henry's Fork, but he guides on the Teton River. He's guided in Yellowstone Park and everything. And the head of knowledge this fellow has is unbelievable when it comes to the Henry's Fork drainage. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. talking just the river itself. I'm talking about the drainage. But he'll be part of the show, too, um, representing Three Rivers Ranch. And I, I don't know if I'll have a, uh, a commercial booth down there. That's, you know, that's kind of outside my my scope of work right now but if you're talking about local people doug is probably you know he's kind of a low-key shucks guy very gentlemanly patient just a heck of a nice guy everybody who knows doug loves him mm-hmm. but he is one local person of course what's he going to be tying do you think he, does he have a specialty uh he specializes like the harrops you know he's a mostly a specialist in trout flies mm-hmm. and of course he has his own twist to him just like the Harrops do, and just like Mike Lawson does, but uh, you know he's um, he'll he'll be down there tying flies and and all, and is he's just a, a wonderful person. But uh, another, I'm trying to think of some other local people. Of course, Jimmy's All Seasons Angler, you know, oh, yeah. principal fly shop in Idaho Falls. They'll be represented down there with okay. Jimmy Gabitas, and um, he'll bring in a few people to tie in his booth. Uh, you know, a few people from, uh, you know, some of his uh, commercial suppliers, but Jimmy will be there, of course. And, mm-hmm. you know, he is, he is a wonderful shop in Idaho Falls. It's probably one of the best shops in the in the country. You know, it's right up there with, uh, you know, the, the uh, shops you, you've heard about. With respect mm-hmm. to, oh, yeah. No, it's one definitely Jimmy's we've heard about. Yeah. yeah Jimmy's is yeah. out there for sure. Yeah, you've heard that. So yeah. Jimmy will be there. And then... Um, Clackacraft has a distribution center. Oh, really? Here in Idaho Falls. Okay. And the manager, of course, is John Stenerson. Mm-hmm. And he's a multi-talented guy. Sure, you know he pushes Clackacraft boats, but the, he is one heck of a creative fly tire. You know, he has he has contracts with uh, JD Flies and a few other people. You know, contracts or flies to him. But John will be there. He's part of the, he's part of the expo too. As a matter of fact, he's doing the uh, the uh, destination programs, you know, hey, where do I go? You know, this kind of mm-hmm. thing. Another fellow that's um, well-known in the industry is, is a fellow by the name of Todd Lanning. Mm-hmm. He, ma- he manages shops, you know, anywhere from the South Fork Lodge to Henry's Fork Anglers for a while, but Todd will be there tying flies. He'll also be doing, as I understand it, he'll be doing a program on fishing in, um, you know, say the Henry's Fork drainage. I'm not sure the details yet, but details will be on the uh, on our website, www.srcexpo.com. Mm-hmm. Perfect. But, uh, you know, just to name a few of these people. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I think all those people and names are, that's exciting. I mean, I would love to say, that's the cool thing about the expos. I'm not quite sure. I haven't been to this one. That's why we have you here chatting about it. But I think in past the expos I've been to, it's fun because you just, you just walk around and you'll find somebody and yep. you'll sit down and just watch them tie flies. And it could be, 
you know, from Renee Harrop to Jimmy's all seat, right? It could be some of these people and everybody has their own style. Is that kind of how it is? People just walk around and you get a look at all these great tires. Yeah. I can walk around and watch these guys. No, I've just targeted the local guys. Any, you know, people from, um, I don't know. I think maybe John Steele may be there or maybe his partner, Rich Paney. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not sure. We'll mm -hmm. just have to see, but I'm talking local guys. If you want to talk about people coming in, we can talk about some, uh, yeah, give us a rundown to outside because we are focusing kind of on eastern Idaho here, and that's where the event is. But, yeah, talk about some of the uh, maybe other names we'd know of that are coming from outside of east of Idaho. Sure. There's, you know, when you talk fly tying icon people, uh, for example, Stephen Fernandez. Have you heard, you've heard that name before? Actually, I haven't. Stephen Fernandez. No, I don't. I mean, I mean, I probably heard it, but I'm not sure who, yeah, tell me about him. He's out of he's out of the Los Angeles area, mm -hmm. and he is probably, in a technical sense, one of the top fly tires in this country, if not the entire world. Oh wow! Okay, I mean, everything he produces is absolutely perfect, you know, and, and all. And uh, but he he comes to the expo. He does a workshop on his techniques, which vary any anywhere from trout flies to streamers to patterns for you know, say uh, all sorts of insects and all. Oh yeah, I know Steve. I'm just thinking yeah, about you know no, Steve. Yeah. yeah, I've seen him at some of the other expos. Yeah, he's been yeah. at some of the other ones. Yeah, he makes beautiful flies. Oh yeah, he goes to the other expos. Uh, right. Another person that you've probably heard of is Marvin Nolte. Nolte, yeah, I have. He's out of Barnon, Wyoming. You know, it sounds like a cowboy town or something like that. But yeah, his Atlantic salmon flies are superb. Gotcha. And, uh, so are these people going to be, are you, do you have a segment here where it's like a special segment for some of these tires where they're doing uh, sessions? We have, we have fly tying theaters, theaters. you know, that, yeah. you know, yeah. if these people want to get involved in them, of course, yeah. another one is Bob Jacklin. I know you've oh, heard yeah. that name before. You oh, know, yeah. Bob I talked will to, be, yeah. Bob will be there. Yeah. We talked to Bob on uh, last week. So that's awesome. Yeah. You know, he, he's essentially a local being in West Yellowstone, but you're talking about, you know, the other people, another person that has a wonderful reputation for conservation as well as fly tying is Jay Buckner out of Jackson mm -hmm. Hole. Mm -hmm. You've heard that name oh, before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, our auctioneer is going to be Will Godfrey. Mm -hmm. And everybody in the fly tying um, field that wants to have an auction knows who Will Godfrey is, that's for sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's probably the best oral, oral auctioneer. In the oh, this is the guy. So he's doing the, uh, how do you do it? You're talking about doing the auctioneer. What's that called yeah. when they do the fast, the fast talk? Okay. We, like I said, what I mentioned during the days, you know, our fly tying demos and yeah. the vendor show and the workshops or anything go on, but then we wind the show up Saturday evening with our auction and banquet. And of course, Will is featured there when that, pretty much the end of the banquet we have our live auction and he's the one that essentially runs it and he, hmm. he does he does it all over the country and everybody calls him will godfrey to be the auctioneer just because he knows the industry so well you know all oh, right so he goes around to every and he's the uh, I'm, I'm not sure I, I i wish i could find a clip of him that'd be pretty funny to watch oh yeah doing him doing his work you know yep. uh, being an auctioneer that'd be terrific uh, yeah yeah, yeah, that's awesome. We have uh, coming from Colorado. We have Al Ritt. He's the latest Music Award winner. Oh, really? Uh, music Award winner. Now, what's that? What's yeah. going on there? The Music Award is given out by the Federation or Fly Fishers International to what they feel is a fly tire that has contributed, created, and contributed 
significantly to the fly tying art, whatever you want to call it. You know, I'm gonna. I have. I was uh, the recipient of this back in 20, 2021. But um, yeah, I've, I've got that. You know, that award. But uh, what is the? You mentioned the music. What, did you say music? music? Yeah, it's named after what used to be a shop owner down in the uh, in California. I guess it would have been uh, Visalia, California. That uh, back in the right up to the sixties was famous as a is a national fly tire and supplier of fly tying materials. Oh, so music is that that's actually his last name. Yeah, B U S Z E K. Wayne Buzz Music. Oh, Music. Okay, I thought you said music. Gotcha, Music. Yeah, so we have about six music winners yeah. here and that's that's exceptional for these shows. Yeah, and I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at um the whole list from 22. You got yeah, Gary Borger, you got you you in 2015. I was in 20, 2001. Uh, Stephen Fernandez got it in 2012. Uh, yeah. Marvin Milty got it in 1995. Bob Jacklin. Yep. Yeah, all, Jacklin all the way back to 1970. So how does it go? Oh, that's right, because FFI has been going on for a long, long time. Well, so, it used to be FFF. Now it's FFI. Yeah, you know? FFI. Yeah, so 1970 um, was the first one. Do you remember Ed Strickland? I remember the name. I never met him. He was very active just before I got into the what yeah. was the FFF then. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's a whole list. Okay, cool. So we'll, we'll put a link out to that, uh, Fly Fishers yeah. International as well. The other yeah, the other music winners we have are the husband and wife music recipients, Alan and Gretchen Beatty. Mm, okay. They'll be there we as well. We also have John, yeah, from Boy, they're over in Boise. Then we have John Vanderhoof coming from Long Beach, California. He's another music winner. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, this is pretty unusual for a, I'll say it's not, well, compared to some of the shows where they are in metropolitan areas, our backcountry show, I say backcountry show because we have, you know, in this part of the greater Yellowstone area, maybe a couple hundred thousand people mm. at the most. Whereas, yeah. you know, you go up to uh, the Northwest Fly Tire Show and there's about two million people. You know, you go back to Jersey and you got half the people in the world, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But the thing is, the thing that draws people here is we've got the water. Yeah, you got the water. We've got the places to fish. It's interesting. Do you feel like it seems like when I am this, I think is changing, but when you look at the West in the States, you know, Montana always, you know, always sticks out. Colorado sticks out Wyoming, you know, to a lesser extent, but you got all these States surrounding Idaho and it just seems like Idaho all has been under the radar, like as far as, but well, it seems like that's changing because you've got, I mean, obviously the Henry's fork is right there, but what, what's your take on that? Does it feel like you've been under the radar? Well, the reason, you know, when you think of fly fishing in the West right away, Montana is the place that comes yeah, to mind first, first of all. And that goes back to the days of Dan Bailey. He did mm. so, Dan Bailey did so much to promote, you know, mm -hmm. back in the late 1930s. He did so much to promote the area back east. You know, he originated in, I think it was Brooklyn, New York, or somewhere mm. in New York City. He came out and fell in love with the country and was there established in Livingston, but he had a whole network of people back i think the in, story was i think the story was his he was driving out his car broke down do you, do you ever hear that story <laughs> <In Livingston>. <laughs> <laughs> i hadn't heard that but i wouldn't be surprised but anyways yeah you know on top of it he was a fly fisher and of course comparing the fly fishing back there which is not all that bad in places but compare it to what we have in the greater yellowstone area there's really no no comparison yeah and he, he established in Livingston, and right away he started promoting the area as any good businessman would do. Yeah, you know. Then on top of him, you had the people like Bud Lilly. Yeah, and it goes on to 
to the Craig Matthews and the Bob Jacklins of this mm -hmm. world, you know, people like that. And Idaho kind of lagged a little bit behind. We didn't have a Dan Bailey personality. Mm -hmm. But uh, now, just because people have become aware of the water that we have down here in the southwest portion of the greater Yellowstone area, we're playing catch-up. Yeah. And the same thing is happening to a certain extent in Jackson Hole, where, mm. you know, their fishing goes way back to the days of Bob Carmichael, back about the same time as, as um, Bailey came out. You know, mm. Carmichael's mm -hmm. been here that long. But, uh, you know, you didn't have the infrastructure back in, in, in Idaho in those days, and even in Wyoming, whereas in Montana, you had, you know, the railroad was promoting oh, things. Oh, right. Yeah, right. you just didn't have the infrastructure and, yeah. and, uh, and uh, you know, going into the quality areas and all. Mm -hmm. Idaho, you know, it's like people, sure, they knew about the Henry's Fork and Island Park, you know, yeah. for a long time. But uh, some of these other places like the Teton River and the South Fork, reach yeah. of the Snake River, there weren't uh, good roads going to the more railroads, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So it's definitely on the map now, obviously. I mean, it's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and if people don't know about it, we're putting it more on the map now because, and you guys are as well with the expo. So let, let's, so you mentioned a, a number of people on the expo and what's going on there. Let's, let's talk a little more. Anything else we want to shed light on as far as what people can expect um, on the expo, the event itself? Yeah, we have uh, fee-based workshops we do. On, and again, these are described on our website. Uh, we have fee-based workshops by people like Stephen Fernandez and, uh, Jay Buckner, you know, people like that are doing these uh, these workshops. Um, and, uh, you know, especially fly tying workshops or entomology. We have some casting workshops where people like Bob Jacklin will be doing casting. Of course, Bob will be out there tying flies too. You know, he's got a mm -hmm. heck of a reputation for creativity. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the, the fee-based workshops are something that's, uh, you know, specialty oriented. We also have destination programs that John Stenerson is, uh, you know, organizing for us too. And they'll be they'll be there during the daytime, in um, you know the event center. They won't be on the main floor. They'll be in one of the extension areas. So um, the destination programs are like, hey, uh, where do I go fish? Or if I'm up here at a certain time of year, where do I fish? You know, what can I expect for services? Uh, how do I get away from the crowds? You know, the, this kind of thing, which uh, fortunately we have a lot of waters around here that are off the beaten path that are quality. Um, I did a book back in 2017 called uh, Fly Fishing the Greater Yellowstone mm -hmm. Backcountry. You know, it's, it's, it was put out by uh, Stackpole Books. Mm -hmm. And we have programs that are kind of like what's in the contents of that book, you know, place, Hey, you want to get away from the crowd? Try this place, try that place this time of year, use yep. do this, do that and everything. So some of the destination programs will be oriented in that manner. Gotcha. Um, then of course we have a youth program and a ladies program at the expo. And again, these are being described on our website. So, you know, it's, it's a gala event from the standpoint that there's something there for everybody in uh, the fly fishing world right right so you cover so if somebody's maybe a beginner or a super expert you, you, there's going to be something there that people can enjoy yeah check out. you know the super expert is a guy that wants to say 
you know, there's a specific hatch going on yeah. at a certain time, or when right. when should I be up at Harriman State Park? You know, yep. when should I be in Teton Valley, et cetera, like that? These are the kind of things, yep. the information that we'll be dispensing in our show. And like Bob Jacklin, you know, it'd be fun to sit down and just kind of watch Bob tie, right? Somebody, a famous person like that. Watch him tie and watch that guy cast. I've fished with yep. Bob a number of times, and I just envy the guy. Gosh, how do you do that? Right. You know, he's, he's not a big guy or anything. And, he just exemplifies you don't have to be a big powerful guy to cast fry. You gotta have it, you know, it's like a golf swing. You gotta yeah, have your perfect. timing down, you know. He's, he's just an example of that. Right, right. So his cast is just it's like it's a it's nice to watch. It's a good well, it's yeah, you what you're watching is something, you know, that has an international reputation, you might say. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory, Idaho's most renowned zone for fly fishing, from the Henry's Fork to the South Fork of the Snake, and all the high alpine lakes and streams in between. Yellowstone Teton Territory provides anglers and other outdoor enthusiasts with all the information they need to plan their next big trip. You can visit wetflyswing.com slash Teton right now to get the full list of outfitters, lodges, fly shops, and all kinds of inspiration to get you started on your next trip to Eastern Idaho. That's Teton, T-E-T-O-N, wetflyswing.com slash Teton. Well, let's take it back. We, we've kind of dug in a little bit on, you know, what people can expect. What is the history? Take us back to 94, I think, when it started. How did, you know, how did it start? Were you there when this thing got going? What, how did the yeah. idea come to be? Yeah, I was there okay. Uh, I, what I did was I called a meeting in the local club about. Is that the TU club, the same TU club? Yeah, that's the yeah, Snake River Cutthroats, you know. that Snake River Cutthroats has been around since 1972. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was started. It is an effort. Excuse me. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say that's pretty. Yeah. It goes back to almost like, I don't know when the Federation of Fly Fishers, but you're, that's quite a while ago. Yeah. You're talking 50 years. The Federation goes back to 65 and TU goes back to 59, you know, yep. dates like that. Yep. But the reason for its formation was to fight the Teton Dam. Mm. You know, everybody knows. I think, you know, Teton Dam is. No, no. Give us the, give us the Teton real quick. Let's hear that Teton Dam story because we talked to, um, we actually had um, the Henry's Fork uh, Foundation. Uh, Brandon was on and talked about some of the the you know issues there. And I mentioned yeah. in the episode. I asked him. I said, "Well, what are the major issues? Are dams something you're thinking about?" And it seems like dams are not a focus right now for them that because water quality and quantity is the bigger thing. But it sounds That's like right. dams dams are important out there. There is a big story. They're important to the agriculture around here, but I think we're pretty much saturated. Uh, Putting in a large dam, like, you know, would be extremely difficult. But, uh, you know, what happened was a bunch of farmers um, up in Madison and Fremont counties claimed that they needed more water, you know, and everything. And so they talked to the politicians and they got the dam in mm. and they, you know, they did some uh, pre-studies on it. You know, well, What year was this? What year was this, Bruce? This would have been starting in the 60s. Oh, the wow. Yeah, long time 60s, ago. Way long back then. Ago. Yeah. But... Um, when the geologists got to work looking at the feasibility of, uh, say, uh, the country rock and everything, they said, this isn't going to work. That rock is too fractured. Well, the response of the farmers was, make it work. Mm. And the farm, the geo, USGS told them, this is not, not enough grout in the face of the earth to fill all the cracks there. Well, we're going to build that dam. We need it. So they did. They started building the dam on the Teton Canyon. Oh, wow. I remember, 
Yeah, uh, I remember floating that canyon a couple times while the dam was in construction. It was just beautiful. Beautiful place, smaller version of the South Fork Reach of the Snake Rivers Canyon. But um, they put the dam together. They got it essentially continued. But while they were doing that downstream, here's all these water shooting out of the walls of the canyon below the dam. You know, it's like the geologists wow. tell them, hey, this isn't going to work. Well, the problem was the water got in into the started seeping underneath the dam and into it. And then. Um, wow. So they built the dam. So they literally built the dam. Yeah, they built a dam. It was complete. You know, I'm talking about a big structure, 300 feet tall. You know, was, the reservoir is going to be 17, 18 miles long and deep enough that they they were considering making it a lake trout fishery. Anyways, one morning in early July, 19 or June 1976, that dam went out. You know, it just, the water just burst through it. And, you know, it's a historic. Blew the dam? Yeah, just, uh, just destroyed the dam. You know, it just breached the dam and. Of course, all the water that was stored, the reservoir was close to being full, just went out into the valley. Well, you know, um, it was almost like an I told you so thing. You know, the geologists told them it's not going to work, and it yep. didn't. No, it didn't. But, you know, for a while it kind of ruined the fishing on the Teton River, but it's come back significantly in the canyon. Of course, uh -huh. up in the valley, Teton River is a beautiful meadow stream up in Teton Valley, up above around towns of Victor and Driggs. And, um, of course, the fishing industry up there wasn't damaged. But now the canyon waters come off uh, to be pretty darn good. Not quite what it used to be, but good enough where there's a clientele of people that, you know, like the Henry's Fork Anglers and some of the other local guiding operations, they, they run trips on, on the lower Teton and, of course, the mm. Teton up in the basin. But uh, that was a kind of a local disaster. Wow. Where was that dam? What was the closest town to where that was built? The closest town to it would be a little place called Newdale. Oh, yeah, Newdale. I see that. Yeah, Newdale right there at the... Uh, yeah, it's uh, Highway 30, State Highway 33 goes up there. Yeah. Um, Newdale was kind of, I kind of, I guess because it was a little bit higher up in elevation, it was spared from the flood, but the towns in the valley down below, Sugar City, Rexburg, uh, you know, Teton City, all those places, they, they got hammered by the flood. Right, it happened there, but it was it's kind of a historic thing in this part of the state. Yeah, that is crazy. So, so basically, they had to take out. So the dam is there is no dam at. Uh, yeah, there's, there's there's a remnant. You go up there and you see this big. Uh, oh, right, still there. Island. Yeah, on one side of one side of the canyon, there's a remnant there. It's oh like, yeah, oh, yeah. Is that by? Um, that's over where like Fourth Street crosses. It looks like I see it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, wow, it's it's kind of all in the past now. Of course, floating yep. through the canyon. One of the experts on floating that or on fishing that river, of course, is Doug Gibson, the fellow mm. I mentioned, you know, at mm -hmm. Three Rivers Ranch. All right. But uh, anyways, um, so much for the Teton Dam, but uh, <laughs> there's been, you know, there's been attempts to revive it, but, uh, you know, no way. Yeah. It's not going to happen, you know. That's it. Wow. And I forgot where we were going. I'm glad we took that tangent down uh, on the Teton. I, I can't remember my our train of thought. Um, we were wrapping up pretty much with the expo, what was going on in the daytime activities. And, of course, um, the big nighttime event will be the, uh, the banquet. Oh, the banquet. Is that on Saturday night? Yeah, Saturday night. And, of course, it'll feature our live auction. We have a, also a silent auction of quality mm. items. You know, the live auction figures, you know, it features things like uh, trips, artwork, 
Uh, I'm trying to think of other things, you know, high quality fishing, you know, fly fishing equipment. Yeah. So basically everybody, anybody that goes to, is this something where if you attend, you can attend the banquet too as well? Yeah. You have to buy banquet tickets, of course, you know, uh, to get in and something. We're pretty much limited to a little over 300. Mm, Whereas in the past at the Shiloh, when we were down at the Shiloh and we had as many as just under 400, but we're pretty limited now. So there's going to be a rush on getting tickets, you know. A lot of people come just to watch Will Godfrey in action. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, this episode is going to go live probably right before the event. When, when, where would somebody go if they want to get a banquet ticket? Uh, right now, they are for sale down at Jimmy's All Seasons Angler. And how long do you think they're going to be? Right now, we're, we're just so folks know it's it's mid February, but the the this is going to happen in March twenty fourth. Well, I will. I'm willing to bet that we sell out. And it'll happen maybe uh, maybe a week or so before. Oh, before the event itself, yeah. Because already we've we've sold maybe a third of what's available, and they've only been available since last Saturday. Okay, good. I'm just thinking. I think what we'll do then. I'm just thinking, talking my future self because we're going to schedule this out. So we'll try to get this out here mid March, so people will still have time when they're listening now to actually get a banquet. That'd be good, you know, about mid March or something like that. But. Uh, by then, I suspect that we will probably have, well, I'm guessing, but maybe two-thirds of the banquet tickets sold. Yeah, something. yeah good. good. So there'll still be some time. All right. So yeah. that's so the banquet, and we talked about everything else going on here. Well, I guess we were on the history a little bit on when you talked about the dam. So, so take us back. So 94. That was the first one. Yeah. Where did that idea come? Like, so you're sitting there in 92 or 90 or whatever. Where did the idea pop out? Well, the idea popped out just because of the quality of the water we have around here. And then we have a very significant fly tying culture in this area. It's almost like it's been part of, you know, it's an outdoor thing. You know, like I say, you know, hey, being part of the greater Yellowstone area, you've got an outdoor culture here. And part of it's fly fishing and part of fly fishing is fly tying. We've had several families locally be famous for uh, fly tying, uh, uh, Stan Yamamura and his family supplied flies. You know, this is before the days of, of uh, House of Harrop, even. Uh, you know, Marcella Oswald in, in Idaho Falls, uh, uh, her trout fly is extremely famous. But, uh, you know, we had local families, uh, the Roos family, uh, so many families that, uh, that were into fly fishing around here. And um, Bing Lemke, of course, he's kind of our patron saint of fly tires. He passed away in 91, but uh, he had an international reputation for creativity and quality of fly fishing. Of course, a lot of what he targeted was the uh, the last chance area up at Harriman State Park, you know, all the water in the park and the water around the park. And he became very famous for that. But we've had, you know, people like, like these folks that, you know, have been famous and passed on their skills and everything to other people. And I could see this growing from the standpoint of, Hey, you know, there's not a lot of people around here, but look at the quality of what we have. Uh, mm. You so know, capture. yeah, there are a bunch of people in the club and decided let's try give it a try, try the expo. And mm. yeah, it's grown ever since then. How was that first? Do you remember the first event pretty well? Vaguely, it was in a hotel <laughs> called the West Bank here in okay. Idaho Falls. Idaho Falls, yeah. And we had a few dozen fly tires, and we had a banquet that night. And I can remember the hotel told us that uh, 
if you have 100 people in here, we won't charge you for the banquet. What mm. they did is, you know, if if the banquet brought enough people in and the event brought enough people in, they'd want to host it because it made money for them. Mm-hmm. As I remember the banquet, we had something like 110 people that we just there barely made it. Yep. But um, it grew, you know, the show just grew from there to what it is today over the years just because of essentially the, the homegrown culture, you know, yeah. fly fishing culture that we have here. Yep. And then the interest from outside the area. Of course, a lot of that interest was uh, because of the waters we got around here, because of the presence of the Henry right. Swirl. The presence of the Tito and know. the South Fork of the Snake, right? South Fork of the yeah. Snake is yeah. It's really it's really the Snake River, but locally it's yeah. called the South Fork. South Fork, the yeah. Fork is called the North Fork. You know? Yeah, and the, the Henry's Fork is the North Fork, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the North Fork, exactly. Perfect. And uh, and so this is this is cool. And you know, we dug into a lot on who you know what's going to be there. We didn't talk a lot on the vendors. Can you describe just a few of those? Yeah, the vendors they they'll vary anywhere from. Um, you know, essentially, uh, things like apparel, you know, uh, shirts, waiters, et cetera, you name it. Artwork, there's going to be some people that are offering artwork. Okay. Of course, with respect to, um, you know, fly fishing equipment, there'll be vendors of that. But one of the big ones is going to be uh, fly tying equipment. We have several vendors like Poppy mm. coming out of Orofino area. And mm-hmm. um, some of the local vendors, well, of course, uh, say uh moonlit industries down here in pocatello you know places yeah yeah people like that will be there uh touting their wares so to say that's right you know with respect to um uh fly time and a lot of the fly time material is you know it's it's homespun stuff uh as a matter of fact another vendor called um out of uh Cholo, Arizona. Um, what's his name? John Romer will be here. He's, he's mm-hmm. the Arizona semi seal and diamond braid guy. He'll be here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just like I say, local, you know, a lot of the local people, um, besides the vendors itself, uh, I think there'll be a, a conservation oriented organizations will be to get be represented. I don't want to say any names because I could be wrong, but there will be, there'll be uh, specified on our website, you know, the, uh, like I say, I keep on reporting. Yeah. So the website. Yeah, srcexpo.com. Yeah. So by the time this goes live, you probably will have an updated vendor list people can take a look at. Exactly. Yeah. But right now we have, I think it's just under fifty vendors. I think we're pretty much, pretty much full considering what we have available at the uh, center. You know. That's right. That's right. And who's behind the scenes? Of you, obviously, you're behind the scenes. Who else is there helping to? You know, what's this like setting up an event like this? Does it take a well, whole team? Yeah, it's it's time consuming. And I'm lucky with a sore arm I've got, I can sit down at my computer and I can organize the fly tying demos. I have a fellow helping me by the name of Hal Gordon, which is very oh, much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hal, he, he does the, uh, he was doing the, the, the one out in Oregon. The Albany show. Yeah. Yeah, he's moved to St. Anthony, Idaho. He's come back to his Oh, roots. no kidding. Oh, he's back Yeah, there. he's uh, no longer in um, the Oregon area. He's in St. Anthony, Idaho. Right now, he's out there shoveling snow, I'm sure. But yeah. uh, <laughs> he's working with me on the uh, fly oh, tying uh, demos. Uh, John Stenerson, like I say, is doing the, um, the destination programs. The workshop chair is a fellow by the name of Jeff Armstrong. And our boss is... Um, Fellow by the name of Scott Long, and uh, Rory Rory Cullen works with them. These are all local guys that are 
you know, putting their time into making this expo work, and they have mm-hmm. been involved for, you know, for decades. Dave Pace, who apparently mm-hmm. didn't make it with us today, yeah. he's essentially our our uh, engineer. He works with AutoCAD, you know, to design the floor layout and make sure that uh, it agrees with what uh, the event center has available. And, oh, yeah. You know, all, you know, it just goes on and on. We, gotcha. Well, give us a shout out to Dave since he didn't uh, make this one here. Now, is Dave, what's his fly? Is he into the fly fishing and tying? Oh, yeah. Know? Everybody is a fly fisher that I've talked about. Uh, Dave just retired from the Idaho National Lab. He, I'm not sure exactly what his engineering specialty was, but um, he's an expert with AutoCAD and he's designed you know, the, he's put together the floor design and okayed it with the event center mm-hmm. and all. Of course, um, Scott and Rory, they, they oversee things and financial stuff. And we have people like Ross Carroll that's doing the, uh, the um, oh, the auctions, you know, the silent auctions and the raffles. And, you know, there's people doing various things. Uh, we have a lovely person doing, say, a lot of the artwork and things of pins, uh, her name is Gail Dial. She's a professor of uh, of art. I'm not sure exactly what field down at Idaho State University. You know, so it just goes on and on. People like that that are donating their time to, you know, a subject they love. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, good. Well, I feel like uh, we've we've kind of uh, dug in here a bit. Anything else yeah. uh, we're missing as far as the event? It sounds like we we've given people a good perspective of what it looks like. Well, I'd say just watch the website. I know there's interest in the show around the country. There's people who love to be here, but, you know, Idaho Falls in the relative sense, you know, compared to the municipal areas, is a little bit isolated and out of the way. And, of course, it's still winter. We have yeah. road closures around and things. Right. And as you well know, you know, nationally we have some airline problems, too. Hopefully they'll be solved and things will be better. You know, the, flow, the show is taking place right after the uh, – I guess it's the vernal equinox, something oh. around the 20th of March, you know, yeah. and we're just hoping that things improve here because it's been a cold winter. Right. <laughs> so it's been, yeah, it's been a cold one so far and lots of snow. Yeah. But the big thing is, is if anybody out there is interested, watch our website. You know, it's, it's still a work in progress. It has to be for any event like this, you know. People are deciding, yeah, I'm going to come. I'm going to, I want to be a vendor. I want to do this, you know, what. You know, I have fly tires. I've decided, yeah, I can fit it into my schedule. And, of course, there'll be cancellations, too. But, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Wayne Llewellyn, one of our better fly tires on the face of the earth, isn't making it. He's got a few medical issues that are mm-hmm. involved. In, they're solvable, but he's, he's to the point where he's got to tend to them, you know, things like that. But, yeah, uh, yeah just watch that website. And, like I say, it'll develop uh, as we go on, you know, mm-hmm. as we approach the show. How are you getting people, you know, out there finding people to attend the event? What's your, I mean, other than doing this, you got to getting this out on the podcast. What else are you guys doing? Well, we're also putting not only on our website, srcexpo.com, we're also putting the activities on Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things, electronics have pretty much taken over from the hard copy and thing. We do put posters around the country, but, uh, so many people are watching what's going on, you know, the, on the uh, worldwide web, so to say, that, you know, things have changed. And so we've got to promote this thing electronically as well as by hard copy. And it's like electronically has taken over. It, you go, man, here we are. What are we doing right now? Yeah, <laughs> Same this thing. is it. Yeah, yeah, this you is know, exactly This is, this is an example. Yep. And so 
we're concentrating as much as we can on our website, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll give a shout out to Christy, who's behind the scenes and helping to set a lot yeah, of this Christy stuff Baum, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's uh, she's got a, a a good mind for this stuff, and I think this is part of it, right? I think a big part of it, is like any of this stuff, is like cross promotional things, right? The more sure kind of cool brands and groups and you guys obviously are affiliated with trout and limited so i'm sure they're probably doing yeah. some stuff as well to get the word out trout and limited is, is is doing quite a bit of course they they reap some of the benefits of what we do you know the money make we make uh, from the show goes into conservation and education yeah that's right so everything if somebody attends this and spends money on this event it's all going into um trout unlimited or, or is that pretty much well trout unlimited henry Swark foundation teton land trust and we have a, the club has a grant system. You know, if you want money, you, you, you know, you describe what you're going to do and then we'll sit down and decide how much you're going to get, you know, this kind of thing. It's a grant, yeah. like I said, a grant system, but the money comes mainly from what we do at the expo. And over the years, the club has donated hundreds of thousands mm. of dollars to conservation and education. There you go. And all this, most of this comes from the expo. That's awesome. So there's a huge bonus for attending. So anybody that goes oh, yeah. there, yeah. it's going to be going to help. Hey, if you like fly fishing, here's a way to help out. Keep the quality that we have out here now. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and we kind of do the same thing with the podcast whenever we do our events. You know, not sure. quite the, the scale there, but we always try to find a conservation group. That's why the Henry's Fork Foundation for um, the trip we're doing this fall was kind of our focus so yeah rightfully so yeah good okay well i think we're good there bruce um maybe i just have a like a quick little two minute drill to take us out of here is that that's sure. good to you okay okay so the first one is we mentioned a lot of places uh and you're in idaho falls what is there one restaurant you'd recommend that people if they're crossing through idaho they should stop and, and have a have some food well i guess my response to, be, to that would be what's your specialty what you prefer? Yeah, let's say let's say yeah, that's a that's a tough. One. Let's just say um, let's say Mexican food. We've got wonderful Mexican restaurants here in this town. There's several of them. Changas okay. down in you know in uh, down in Old Town, Idaho okay. Falls. Changas, uh, Pachanga. Yeah. Oh, Pachanga. Gotcha. Yeah, and then uh, downtown on the south side there, we have a place called. Uh, well. Let's see. I'm trying to think of what the name yeah. of it actually is. We'll throw Pachangas in there. That'll be good. We got one of those, so yeah, that's great. That's, that's okay if that answers that question. Yeah, it does. Fine. It does. And then you um, you wrote the book on kind of hitting the backcountry in Yellowstone. What is your yeah. what's your rod of choice for the backcountry? What weight and length? Well, ask me where I'm going to fish. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, let's see. in a general yeah. sense, say um, a six weight. And frankly, I prefer dry flies. You know, so a weight forward, dry line, you know, something yeah. six nine weight. foot six weight, nine foot six weight. Yeah, something like okay. you know, something like that. That uh, of course when I fish smaller streams, which I really enjoy, I scale down to even as low as a two weight. But as soon as I find those larger fish in that small stream, I'll go back up to a four or five weight. <laughs> okay. That's it. If you had to if you only could have one rod for the rest of your life, one weight, what would it be? It would probably be a six. Yeah, six weight. Okay, perfect. What is uh, so you're in the backcountry? What's one fly you if you could only have one you'd be fishing? If you told me, Dave, you can only use one fly the rest of your life, just this one pattern, I would call it a dry muddler. There you go, dry muddler. Wow, and I'm not even sure what that one looks like. I'll have to put a link in the show notes. It's a muddler minnow that can be fished either dry or wet. 
dryad imitates you know, like a stonefly or a grasshopper. Uh -huh. Wet it can imitate a lot of different things. Oh, perfect. So essentially, it's just a muddler with gre greased yeah. up or something like that, or yeah, if you want it on the surface, um, you know, just uh, you know, just go ahead and dress it so it floats, and it'll float real well because of the deer hair, you know, yeah. and the construction of the fly. Okay, perfect. And we'll take it out here with, with one tip. So if somebody <clears throat> is in the backcountry fishing and they're, they're, they want to find some of those fish, well, what do you tell somebody if it's their first time out in the backcountry Yellowstone? Watch what's going on in the water. Mm. Observe, observe, you know, go ahead and, you know, walk the stream and observe, look where the fish are going to be. You know, it's almost, it's almost like living in a house. They, the living room is this, you know, the uh, dining room is that, you know, uh, these kind of things, uh, they stay under cover until it's time to feed. Then they go out into the areas where the food is available. You know, watch what happens first. If you it just increases your chances of success, but watch the water. And I'll bet you John Steele will tell you the same thing. He did. Yeah, exactly. The trout hunter. I love the trout hunter because, you, you, you know, a lot of people have heard of them, but that's the whole idea is like, right? We're hunting trout. We're looking for heads. We're looking for fish. Yeah. We're, it's not just, it's not just jump up to that hole that you caught a fish on yesterday and throw your cast. It's more like actually hunt, <laughs> yeah. hunt the fish you want. Good. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Well, we'll send everybody out to uh, srcexpo.com uh, to find out more on this event. And this will be going live, uh, you know, a couple weeks before. So hopefully we'll send a few more people your way. And uh, yeah, if, if it works out for me, I'd love to get up there as well. So we'll hope to see you there in, uh, in Idaho. Oh, I'll be there. I won't be time flies. I'll be putting out brush fires and, yep. you know, rekindling friendships and giving advice, that sort of thing. You That's know, right. You have to, to make the show a success. You know, yeah. Well, tell us that. What would you be tying if you were tying at the event? What would be the fly? What would be the first? I would probably tie? be tying just because of what's, you know, in the area. I'd be tying trout flies. You know, we mentioned that dry muddler. Some of the specialty mayflies I do, some of the specialty streamers. I wouldn't do Atlantic salmon flies because that would probably put a lot of people to sleep. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Awesome, Bruce. Well, thanks for the time and appreciate you shedding light on everything you have going at the event. Okay, Dave. I hope I've done a good job for you. Bruce Staples on Traveled, part of the Wet Fly Swing podcast and Swing Outdoors. This podcast was supported by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory. You can support this podcast in Eastern Idaho by heading over to wetflyswing.com slash Teton. That's T-E-T-O-N. And if you get a chance to support any of the companies at that website, you will be supporting this podcast at the same time. Don't forget to check out the expo right now, wetflyswing.com slash expo to find out more information on everything we talked about today. And you can connect with me anytime, Dave, at wetflyswing.com. If you got a show topic idea or just want to connect or we haven't said hi in a while, let's do it. I am going to roll on out of here. Uh, the road less traveled for me. I got I to gotta figure out that journey. I've got, uh, I've got a road ahead of me. I'm going to be traveling right now. Um, but I think I'm going to be getting on it with the family. We are definitely going to be making a swing uh, multiple times um, throughout this part of the country. Uh, we were just there. It's been a couple of years, so it's going to be exciting to get back through here and, uh, and travel our way into Idaho, into Eastern Idaho and connect with some of the people that we've been, uh, we've been connecting with over, over the last uh, couple months here. So I'm excited to keep sharing this journey with you. I uh, hope you have a chance to connect. And if I don't talk to you before then, have a great trip on your next adventure, the road less traveled.